Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. As we get ready to begin, I'm going to ask everyone who's watching, as well as you in the room, I want you right now to write down five names of people you love. Just go ahead and do that right now. Five names of people you love. All right, thanks for doing that, and we'll, be, we'll come back to that in just a moment, okay? The New York Times printed a story, a story that I just love. It's about a little boy who was riding the bus. So picture this right now, a young little boy all by himself, so it seems. He sat very close to a woman dressed in a gray suit that everybody assumed was her son, and she was his mother, until another lady sat down beside them on the seat. When the little boy put his feet up on the seat, she turned to the woman in the gray suit and said, would you please tell your son to put his feet down because he's getting my dress dirty. It was then that the lady in the gray suit pushed the little boy away and said, he's not my son. I've never seen him before in my life. The second lady looked at the boy quite sadly at this moment and then she asked, are you traveling alone? Yes, he said, I always travel alone little bright smile on his face. My mommy and daddy are both dead, and I live with Aunt Clara. But Aunt Clara thinks that Aunt Mildred ought to take care of me sometimes and do her turn. So whenever she gets tired of me, she sends me to Aunt Mildred. I'm going there right now. The woman then asked, it must be tough traveling alone. To which the little boy then hung his head. And he said, yes, it is. So whenever I see someone with a kind face, I sit as close as I can to them, and I pretend that I belong to them and that they belong to me. Now, I just want you to think about that story for a moment. I wonder if that's a picture of what God's church is supposed to be, where people in their brokenness would want to come to a place and sit and be as close as they can to the people because they feel they're never alone. And that we would want to sit next to them as close as we can, that they would never feel alone. I just wonder if that's really the picture of God's church when it comes to the unsaved, when it comes to the broken, when it comes to the marginalized people of our world. Now, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to go to Matthew 9. I want to invite everyone to go to Matthew 9. Now, this is a message I've preached before, and it's been quite some time, to be honest. And, and I'll make this statement as we look at Jesus, and I'll just give you some things uh, in advance, that Jesus saw people, Jesus had compassion, and Jesus met their needs. We talk about these over and over in this church. We're going to do that again, but I want to take a little bit different road, if you will, in unpacking them. So if you will, Matthew chapter 9, beginning in the 35th verse. Here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me just read that again. 
Jesus went through all the towns. Notice, he's not sitting, he's out moving. He's not just in their town or his town, he's in everybody else's town as well. And he's teaching in their synagogues. He's not just visiting, there's something very purposeful about his visit. He's teaching in the synagogues and notice what he's doing. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He's telling people about what really matters most. It goes on to say, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I would like you to circle that word compassion, if you will. If you have your Bibles open, just go ahead and circle that word compassion. We're going to come back to that in a moment. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, then he said to those who claim to be followers, that those who go to church, those who say, I am a Christian. He says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. I encourage you to circle that word, ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, when we talk about this, we're looking at the fact that the church is the hope of the world. And therefore, if we're going to be the church, we need an example by which to follow, true? And Jesus is to be the example in every area of our lives. And so we're going to look at three things that Jesus did, but listen to this. I, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in John 13. He says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done. Paul says in Ephesians 5, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. So it's crystal clear that Jesus is to be our example, correct? So let's look at three things that Jesus did. Here's the first one. Jesus saw people. Jesus saw people. Go ahead and write that down. Jesus saw people. Now I want to ask you something. Do you know anyone who has selective hearing? Go ahead, guys, raise your hands. Go ahead, ladies, point at him. Okay? Because <laughs> we know it's true, right? But ladies, there's something that you need to know. There's something that you need to know when it comes to us guys. For instance, when you ask us to go to the store, to lay down the mulch, wash and wax the car, get the kids from school, rent some videos, and finish the rest of the dishes? That's not what we heard. What we heard was, go lay down and get some rest, okay? I mean, it's just a few of those selective words in there that seem to matter more to us, okay? Uh, but here's the deal. I believe that just as true as their selective hearing, I believe there's something called selective seeing. I just do. For instance, a blind man was once asked what his greatest obstacle was that he had to overcome. And here's what he said, that people see me as blind. This is a blind man. What's the greatest obstacle that you have to face? And he says that people see me as blind. They express sympathy, but I don't want sympathy. I want them to understand that I'm not just blind. I want them to see me. And I, I don't believe it's just him. I believe it's everybody in this world, and I believe it's also everybody in this room. Everybody wants to be seen. 
but they're all around us. They sack our groceries, they serve us food, they sit beside us at work. And like a child on the playground, everybody's raising their hand saying, someone pick me, someone notice me. I'm right over here. Everybody wants to be seen. That's why I commit to believe that it's why people chase what they chase. It's why people do what they do. It's the hope behind everyone's hurry. It's the meaning behind everyone's madness. Because if I could just be this, if I could just do that, then I would be something, I would be someone, and someone would, what? Say, wow, I see you. It's why we do what we do. Isn't that interesting? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Groundhog Day. I just love it. It stars Bill Murray. It's, a, it's a quite an old movie, but it's literally what it is. It's Groundhog Day, and it's a day that keeps repeating itself. Now, he doesn't know it. See, Bill Murray is a weatherman, and he has to go out and do all these really stupid, if you will, reports. He wants to be the, the main dude, but he keeps getting sent out. So he has to go to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, and he has to do a story on a hog, if you will, okay, a groundhog, and, and he's quite real, if you will, frustrated, so he makes a mockery of it. He goes to bed. When he wakes up the next morning, he discovers it's the day he just previously lived, and every morning he goes to bed, he wakes up the next morning, it's the same day, and it keeps repeating itself over and over. Well, if you've seen the movie, he starts to have fun with it, and he starts thinking of all the things he could do in the repetition of this day. He learns how to play the piano. Uh, He learns how to do many other things. He listens to everybody around them. But then there's a change in him. And that's when everything goes different. And most people miss the moment of change. And that change was when all of a sudden he took a second look at a homeless man who's huddling up, trying to stay warm, And all of a sudden, Bill Murray, his character begins to change and realize life isn't about repeating every day so I can get what I want. It's that I have every day that I can actually make a difference in someone else. And the movie takes on an incredible, different, if you will, scenario as he begins to then give his life away, thinking this is what I'm going to have to do. But even if I have to do every day over, it's better to give away than to get something back. It's a powerful, powerful story. Now listen to this. Most people don't even realize that we now live on a planet that is more populated than it's ever been in history. It's crazy, the population, how it's grown. 7.8 billion people on this planet. But here's what's more striking to me that most people don't realize is that it's becoming more urbanized. Do y'all know what that means? More and more people are moving from the country to the city. And they're doing it in groves. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's just skyrocketing. Right now on our planet, approximately 54% of the population in the world now live in the city. Think about that. You just think about the vastness of driving from Sioux Falls to Rapid City and all of the sparse land, and think about that all the way throughout the Midwest, and 54% of the population right now live in the city. But here's where it gets crazy. It's estimated that this phenomena will grow to two-thirds of the population in the next 15 years. Just stop and think about that. 
where people are literally moving to. Now, a Yale research group says that the urban land covering will expand 463,000 square miles by 2030 in the next 10 years. And there'll be enough concrete to put 10% of the planet's land under. You with me on this? It's equivalent to 20,000 football fields being paved every day. Now, why do I say all that? People are all around us. And according to all of these studies, there are going to be people living right on top of us. And yet, what's crazier is that right now, we are more alone than we've ever been. Think about that. Gallup found out that 40% of Americans alone experience intense feelings of loneliness every day. Almost half of Americans, and when they talk about intense feelings of loneliness, bordering suicide. Every day in this country. You might want to write this down. We're growing closer and yet further apart at the same time. We're growing closer and further apart at the same time. I mean, think about it. Have you ever been in a conversation and feel like the person uh, that you're talking to is looking right through you? <laughs> ever been there? By the way, well, welcome to my world every time I preach. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, <laughs> but but <laughs> Helen Keller, Helen Keller, how many times have I said these words? The greatest human tragedy is not blindness, but having seeing eyes and yet cannot see. And yet cannot see. We're supposed to be light and darkness. Is that right? And Jesus said, light begins with sight. How are we going to bring hope when we can't even see the people that we want to bring hope to? There's something drastically wrong. How we see is paramount. Isn't that just true? Now, let me ask you this. All day today, what did you see? Please don't answer. Did you see any people? as a potential or every person you ran into was more of a problem. They didn't see the green light and made you have to stay for another one. They were standing in the line talking or distracted and they were taking longer than they should. What do you see when you see people? That's why Jesus said in John 4, open your eyes. Open your eyes and take a good look at what's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. The fields are ripe. It's harvest time. There's people all around us and we just noted that they're starving for attention. They feel lonelier than they've ever been before. They're just waiting for someone to say hi. By the way, I'll say this. The worst time to gain your eyesight, I think, is gonna be when you and I are in heaven and we're looking around and seeing so many people we love, not there. They're in hell. That's a really bad time to open your eyes. But Jesus didn't stop there. Before we go on, what's going through your mind right now? What's going through your heart? The whole concept of seeing and being the light in the darkness. I just had this thought going through, like what if I'm reading Revelation, it talks about God's glory is filling the whole space. So there's no need for artificial light or different light because his glory just fills it and you can see everything. 
And I just thought, what would that look like to, to see all the time? To, to see people, like you had mentioned in uh, Groundhog Day, was it? Uh, the homeless man on the side of the road. To, to see your husband and be able to kind of press in and maybe just see how his day is before you're asking him to go take out the, the trash. <laughs> okay. uh, just to see all the time. I, I don't know. I'm still marinating on it, but that thought just came to mind as you were preaching. I think it's the idea of the selective seeing that we see people for what issue or disorder they are or they have or they may be experiencing versus actually seeing the person for the potential of a relationship or the potential of somebody to create a friendship with. Um, I used to talk about it a lot working with, with students, the idea of, oh, this student has ADD, ADHD, this student has EBD, like you label them and you give them this label and a lot of times you see students live up to that label. Well, that's all you see them as, so why would you ever see them as more? Um, so I think that's a huge part when you talk the idea of like selectively seeing, like what are you actually looking at people for or what are you trying to learn about that person or even giving yourself that opportunity? There was something you had said about what we do, we do it to be seen. Um, and there's a part of me that's, that has a whole lot of tension going on with that because we want to be seen, but yet how willing are we to be able to step outside of that and to be able to go see people? Um, it's like looking in a mirror. Like we want to be seen, but we're not willing to, to, to go and be that person that is, well, maybe even vulnerable enough to be seen. Like we're not willing to go be there with them because to see someone else, you have to be able to open yourself up as well. Jesus saw people. Here's number two. Jesus had compassion. Now, I asked you to circle this word compassion, but I want you to listen to what someone had said. Jesus saw the hurting, the helpless and the hopeless. He saw the souls and the hearts of men and women. He looked beyond their faults and saw their needs. This means he did not just see a man with leprosy, but he felt his pain and rejection his loneliness and isolation. He didn't just see a man whose daughter had died, but he felt his sorrow and his bereavement. He saw his broken heart, and even better, his heart broke right along with him. Jesus did not look on the fallen woman in a judgmental way, as so many do, but rather in love and compassion with forgiveness, he wiped her slate clean. And yet I fear we've become more like the farmer who's standing in a field when a city fellow comes to a fork in the road. The city fellow looks up and he says to the farmer, hey, old timer, does it make any difference which road I take? To which the farmer said, not to me. And you know, it may be true. Maybe the road that they take really doesn't matter that much to you, but it will to them. And does that even matter? Because Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to hell, and many people will go down it. To put it in more simpler terms, the harvest of mankind is a matter of heaven or hell. It ought to matter to us. Does it? This word compassion is the Greek word splok nazimimai. Okay, great word to pronounce. 
<laughs> Maybe you've heard of splintonology. Some people haven't, but that's the study of the gut. This is where the word compassion comes from. It means to be affected so deeply at the gut level. In other words, the compassion that Jesus felt toward people stirred him at the deepest of level. In fact, it literally made him sick. We read the words, like sheep without a shepherd. But to Jesus, that was a big deal. It made him sick when he looked out at people and saw their pain and their struggle. It tore him up on the inside. And that's exactly what Paul said in Romans 12, love from the center of who you are. But most of our love is from the outside, isn't it? It's conditional. It has all these little strings attached to it. But compassion, you need to understand, is not a spiritual gift. Compassion was a command. It's a command. In Galatians 6, it says, carry each other's burden. It doesn't make it a suggestion. It says to carry each other's burdens. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. In Romans 12, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. It's just what we do. See, the natural byproduct of a person coming into a personal relationship with Jesus is they just become a more loving person, which is really this. If your life is devoid of love and you have little or no compassion for people, can I tell you the conclusion is crystal? Your faith isn't what you think it is. In fact, I'll just be right up front. Your faith is crap. It's just sad. Jesus will never, ever tell someone, welcome into heaven. You never miss church. Welcome into heaven. Boy, you read my Bible. Welcome into glory. Man, were you a giver. Those words are not in the Bible. Jesus says, welcome in to the kingdom of God, which was prepared for you from the foundation, from the very beginning. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was naked. You clothed me. I was sick. You visited. That's compassion. Helping people understanding their brokenness and meeting them there and providing hope. Jesus saw people. Jesus had compassion, but he did one more thing. But before we go there, what's going through your mind? A few months ago, I had... Um I had kind of a, a, a moment in my day where I had passed on the opportunity to be able to talk to somebody about Jesus. And um, I had journaled. Um, and in my journal, I, I don't remember exactly what the scripture was that I was journaling about, but I had written um, that I was more concerned about how they thought of me and I was willing to let them go to hell in that moment. Um, and it was a really powerful thing and, and it... it it definitely brought me to that compassionate state um, where I was able to, to, to grieve with them. Um, so that's kind of what you were saying was kind of bringing me back to those moments. It's interesting that you say Jesus saw people and he had compassion because I think sometimes I wonder why I don't always feel compassionate towards people and it's because I'm not willing to see them first. I've become so uninterruptible. I'm too focused on my own agenda and my own schedule that I miss the people around me, but 
if I want to truly be Christ-like, if I want to be compassionate and loving towards others, I need to be interruptible because that was one of the biggest things about Jesus. No matter where he was going, he would stop for anyone who wanted to talk, anyone who wanted to ask him for something. He, Jesus was interruptible, and that's where that compassion came from. I like that word, interruptible. There's a, a woman author, and she's an Instagram influencer too, and one of her lines that she writes about a lot is, your brokenness is welcome here. And I think just in friendship and in relationships and in marriage, a lot of the times we cover up our brokenness with different things by busying our schedules, by for girls having like outfits, like we try to cover up our brokenness and our insecurities with different things in life. And I think um, that in marriage, it's not an option to cover up your brokenness. You are exposed in so many different ways. And that's something that the world has done. We wanna cover up our brokenness. But as Christians, when we say yes to God, we say yes to our brokenness and the, the brokenness of people around us as well. That's so good. We're not going to see the walls that other people put up until we're willing to take our walls and have them go down. Isn't that true? Mm -hmm. That is so true. So Jesus saw people. Jesus had compassion. Man, he really cared. And thus, Jesus met their needs. He met their needs. It's been said that sympathy is what we feel, but compassion is what we do. That's what love is. Love is always in motion, is it not? 1 John 3 says, let's stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Do something about it. But sadly, th this is going to shock you. A recent Gallup study, this, this just saddens my heart, discovered that only 10% of church members in America are active in any kind of ministry. Only one out of 10 people under the label of Christianity are active in some sort of ministry. And yet what we tend to do is we think ministry is what I do. But the fact of the matter is, if we're all Christians, everybody does what I do. You just may not get paid. You may not have the title, but we're all pastors in a sense. But ministry is not what I do. Ministry is what we're all to do in serving because that's what ministry is. That's being like Jesus. We serve. We wash feet. One out of ten are right now active, but this is going to get even more sadder. You ready for this? Of the 90% that aren't serving anywhere, 50% of them say they have no interest of ever serving in any sort of ministry. That ought to break your heart. Think of that unbelievable truth. We live in a world that is obsessed with themselves. It's all about what they get, is it not? Marriages have struggled because of this obsession. I hear it all the time. She or he's not meeting my needs. That's completely void of what love is. But we turn it in, do we not? I need to find someone who cares about me. Well, do you even care about them? It's just crazy. And this posture is all over the church. I'm not trying to go there to be negative. I hear it all the time. 
You know, I just need to go to a place that I get fed. I, I just don't like this, or I just don't like that. And I wonder if there's a part of God going, who cares? Isn't that just crazy? But that's our measuring all the time. And it's causing all kinds of havoc. It's not about us. See, see, Jesus said something different. Jesus said something like this. If you got what I gave, then you are to give what you've been given. <laughs> if you really got what Jesus gave, then you're to give what was given. If you've really received, then you have to let loose when you understand in its fullness. 1 John 3 says, if you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it, but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, God's love disappears. And then he adds this, and you made it disappear. You did it. We're supposed to be conduits. Have you ever thought of us? The river of God's love is always flowing. We're supposed to be the ones that channel it rightly. And yet how many churches, how many of God's people would rather be a dam keeping the river from flowing downstream so they can take it all in for their want, for their will, build up their cabin so they can ski and boat on it and do everything that they want. And then when the cabin's worth a lot more money, we can go out and sell it. And then we make a whole lot of money. And the whole point of a river is to flow. And we're supposed to channel that. But I just wonder if we become more dams. We become more pools of collection rather than conduits in motion and letting it flow. Jesus saw people harassed and helpless, like sheep being pursued by wolves, unable to help themselves, no one to guide them, no one to protect them. The religious leaders of that day should have, but they wouldn't. And it broke Jesus' heart. It broke his heart. This is why Jesus says to his disciples, plead with the Lord, beg God, raise your hand and say, I want to be the one. Send me, let me go forth into your harvest field. I don't, I don't think we even see those words. He's the Lord of the harvest, which you need to understand something. All the broken people in the world, all the lost people, God has been cultivating the soil well before we even got on the planet. God cares about those people. So the hard case that you meet at the, hard, at the stop lane or in the grocery store line, God's been working on their heart. Just because it doesn't appear like they're receptive to you doesn't mean that they're not receptive. Do you see what I'm saying? God has been well before us because no one cares like he cares. There is no hard rocked soul that God hasn't been working on. He loves people. He cares about people. I want to close with something, but let me say it again. Jesus saw people. Jesus really cared. He had compassion and he met their needs. Before I wrap this up, what's, what's going through your heart and mind right now? Going back to what you said on compassion being the study of the gut, almost being so guttural, that's a whole different perspective because I often heard like sometimes like the, how your gut and even the bacteria in your gut even impacts your brain. So having that connection, how you love people to the core, there's something there. 
it's deeper than just a surface seeing. It's a, it's a guttural, core, primitive almost um, purpose that we have. I'll just stop there. Like you said, more of a conduit versus a dam. I like that analogy as well. Yeah, just thinking about, you talked about people in the church asking what benefits them the most. I just wonder, what if Jesus would have asked that question? He wouldn't have chose to come to earth and serve and die on a cross for us if, if he was asking what was best for him. So it's funny that we try and do the same thing because if we're just trying to take in, if we're going to be a dam, all that's going to do for us is make us spiritually constipated. And that's not, that's not furthering the kingdom. That's not helping us either in an eternal perspective. I think if you took it, it with everything we've talked about, like Jesus sees people, Jesus shows compassion, and then he's able to meet their needs. Like if God and Jesus, if they're always working, right? It's all, they're working on everybody at all the times. If you try to go that, in that process backwards, you're not gonna accomplish anything. So if you came in like, okay, I'm gonna meet people's needs, so therefore I'm gonna be compassionate, and in order to be compassionate, I'm gonna see people. No, just do exactly what Jesus did. He's already, like you said, he's already laid the foundation. He's already working on people. All you have to do is see those people, show them compassion, and it's gonna allow you to meet people's needs the exact same way it was already there. So it's almost like, again, the world gets involved and things start to go backwards. How can I glorify myself? Like, I'm going to meet somebody's needs. Like, not really. I'm just a vessel that can allow it to happen or continue to let the work be done. That is profound, Caleb. When you were sharing that, I was thinking about how many people, they come to a corner at a stoplight and they see the person out there work for food. And they don't start with the person. They start with, well, if I give them the money and I meet the need, they're going to take it, go right down to a convenience store and buy some booze, and they're doing it in reverse. And that may be true. But if we stop for a moment and look and go, okay, if I give him the money, yeah, he might go do that. That was a little boy once. It was a little girl once. They had a mommy and a daddy. How'd they get here? To this place in life that they would even want to take my money and just go buy some booze. That's profound, Caleb. Start with the person. Jesus did. How many people did Jesus give eyesight to? that would stand at the cross and watch him die and say nothing? How many people did Jesus heal and give them a voice? And the next time Jesus would hear that voice is when he would hear the words crucify him. How many people couldn't walk? Walked to the cross and watched him die. But he healed them anyway. Because I remind you, he was God. How many but it was all about people. He didn't start with the need. He started with the people. That's what took him to the cross. And as you said, if he'd have started at the cross, he'd have never got there. That's profound. I want to do something in closing. 
I'm going to ask you to look at a blob, if you will, and maybe you've seen it. I don't want you to stare at this for the next 30 seconds. Then I'm going to have you close your eyes. So right now, as you're looking at your screen, just look get as close as you can to that screen and look at those four dots right in the middle of that circle. Just look at them and stare at them. And try not to blink. Try not to let your eyes shift. Just let them focus on those four dots. Now what I want you to do is just lightly close your eyes and look up. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? It's amazing, isn't it? But church, that's what I, I want you to get. The way to be Jesus is we need to take the time to really look at Jesus. For the more time you spend with him, that's why I'm in the word of God, not because it's a nice Bible study moment. It's not because it's some ritualistic thing I need to do. That's why I don't like the word devotional because it sounds like some little thing that you can do to get by and then get out into the world. The reason we look like the world is because we're spending too much time looking at the world. But if we would just look intently at Christ, he said, if you seek me, you will find me. And, and get this, if you find him, you're gonna become him. And we're going to do what Jesus did. Jesus saw people. He looked intently into lives. He looked intently into your life. He saw people. He had compassion at the deepest of levels. And therefore, he meets needs. That's why he went to the cross. For God so loved that he gave his only son. It was the joy set before Jesus that he endured the cross. You know, Martin Luther said it this way. We need to look intently at Christ so we can become little Christ in our world around us. I just like that. Now, I told you in the beginning to write down five names. Now, I want you to look at your list again. Then I'm going to ask you some questions. Of the five names you wrote, was the first name or any of the names your name? Isn't that interesting? Maybe that's part of the problem. For Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, too often we want to look outward, don't we? And if we're not careful by not starting with ourselves and receiving God's love and realize the incredible love he has for us, that we grow in that love, it's going to be impossible for us to really give that love and to be that love. You see, we can spend a lot of time, watch this, starting with compassion and doing a lot for people. But Paul said what? But if you have not love, and love always begins here. You see, on my list, the first one is me. <laughs> that's not a narcissistic thing, and that's not a, an egotistical thing. I think it's a humbling thing. I have to spend time with God. I have to spend more time there. I need to grow to be more like Christ. I need to be with Christ. And I love the person God made in me all his flaws, all of his failures. But the second thing is this. Of the five names, do all those five people know Jesus? If they do, I want you to understand something. I'm going to pray here in a moment that God would add one more to the list who doesn't. Because if those are the five people you love, 
You're not making much difference for the kingdom right now in this world. They already know the, the Lord. We need some new loves in our lives. People that we can learn to look at like Jesus looked at and learn to reach out to them and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus. But now the third question is this. Does any of the names on there, a name of a person who doesn't know Jesus? If so, have you told them about Jesus? Because if you haven't, that right now is how much you really love them. You see, as you look at these names, they're important names. And we need to make sure that our name is in that list, that God, I love who you made me and that we learn more and more to be good with who we are and grow in that love. But we also need to make sure that we have names on there of people who don't know Jesus, that we would love them so much like Christ loves us when we were lost. And no greater love that we laid down our lives that they would come to know Jesus. Man, if a church would be like that and the people in that church, wow, 2021 is going to be an amazing year for the kingdom of God. Amen? I'm going to ask you to do me one last thing. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and I want you to picture people that you know, people that you love, Look them in the eye and just keep your eyes closed. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care heading who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries that only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord At the end of broken dreams He's their open door People need the Lord People need the Lord when will we realize people need the Lord? Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.